Good morning, Idaho. Hope you're having a wonderful morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when you're listening to this. Welcome to the local Yokel Idaho podcast, where we talk about what is going on in the wonderful state of Idaho. Now moving into the morning banter, this is just a little bit of a time that I informally chat with you guys before we get into the bulk of the podcast. For those that had spring break this last week, I hope you had a wonderful one. And for those that have it coming up this next week, hopefully you have some fun plans set aside for it. I know for myself this last week, I just worked crazy, crazy busy. Thankfully with like the podcast and everything this week, the news was a lot lighter. So we only have like two, no, not two three full news stories to even go over and it's more just politics which in some ways it's like ah, it's slow but on the hand i'm like oh, praise the lord i got a little bit of a break i could not have to stress as much because this week i had another spare job i picked up while doing this so i was doing like three jobs this week and it was a lot because that job was like an evening job and i'd get back at the house here at like 11 or midnight sometimes and it was just Uh, but it's over now and on to a little bit more of a normal week but with that said I did notice something in the last couple weeks and I even my parents mentioned it that was kind of weird and maybe I'm not the only one and maybe it's outside the Treasure Valley but here in the Treasure Valley have ever has any of you guys noticed that like traffic around five to six is eerily non-existent like I remember driving back a couple days you know, about that time and stuff. Maybe not this last week because of all the work stuff I just mentioned, but like the week before last and the amount of cars on the road were like similar to what it is on like a Sunday or Sunday morning or something. It was super, super light. I'm like, what is going on? And then it happened like day after day after day. And even my parents a few days ago, we were chatting and they commented, they're like, man, it was eerie. There hardly wasn't any traffic. I'm wondering if it's maybe spring break. Could you really have something that would cause that spring break would have that level of effect that traffic would be that much less? Or is it something else going on? I I don't understand. I mean, I'm not going to say no to it. Less traffic. I'm happy. I I can cruise home, put the cruise control on, save some fuel, not have to worry about, you know, crazy people and stuff and everyone trying to get everywhere. But on the other hand, it was just like something doesn't seem right either everyone's getting off earlier or i know that happened during the time change a bit i first noticed it and i thought oh it's just a time change people are getting used to that they're preferring you know they need more sleep and so everyone's getting off a little earlier or they're getting off later because you know their brain time and stuff but yeah it's just been really really weird maybe i'm not the only one reach out to me you know that would be a fun discussion to have but it's just odd or if you're outside the treasure valley have you observed that as well or is it just a treasure valley thing Also, I did want to add, sorry about last week having to cut stuff. I was in an absolute scramble to try to get stuff, and I was sitting there late in the evening just being like, I could record this and basically die, or I could just be like, hey, I got almost everything, and we'll just skip the political discussion. So, sorry, I didn't get to that. Hopefully, um... It wasn't too much of a miss, and you guys were able to get the information that you needed just out of the facts section, but sorry about that. That That is on me for last week. And then also for the vote that was posted, I think, last week or the week before last about trying to separate events from the main thing. No one commented on that, so I'm just going to use my best judgment moving forward. Um, I haven't made a decision yet if I'm going to split up the two or keep them one. I'm not sure yet. And as I said earlier, kind of reiterating before we kind of finish up the morning banter here, the news is really short. There's only like three main news articles. The news was just slow this week, which was beneficial for me with the crazy week I had. Um, For you guys, it might be a little bit of a letdown, but I would encourage you to follow us into the political section because there's a bunch more stuff going on there that I'll talk about. With any further ado, let's get into the rest of the podcast. Starting off, interesting events and holidays. We have Monday, Monday, the 27th of March, which is National Scribble Day. As for history, only one thing in 1958, Nikita Khrushchev became the Soviet premier. As for in birthdays, Monday was Henry Royce's and is Quentin Tarantino's 59th birthday. As for in deaths in 1968, Yuri Yagaran died. In 2002, Billy Wilder died. And in 2002, Milton Berle died. 
Tuesday. Tuesday, the 28th of March is National Weed Appreciation Day. Definitely not a day I'm going to appreciate because weeds get out of my life. As for in history, in 1946, the United States Department released a report outlining a plan for international control of nuclear power, starting off the Cold War, as we would call it. In 2017, the largest dinosaur footprint was found in Kimberley, Australia, measuring 1.8 yards. As for birthdays, Tuesday is Vince Vong's 52nd birthday and Lady Gaga's 36th birthday. In deaths, in 1953, Jim Thorpe died, and in 1961, Dwight D. Eisenhower died. Moving on to Wednesday, Wednesday the 29th of March, which is National Vietnam War Veterans Day and Mom and Pop Business Owners Day. As for in history, in 1974, Chinese farmers discovered the Terracotta Army near Xi'an. In 1999, the Dow Jones average closed at 10,006.78 above the 10,000 mark for the first time ever. And in 2022, Russia withdrew its badly mauled forces from the capital of Ukraine. As for birthdays, Wednesday was President John Tyler's and Sam Walton, the founder of Walmart's birthday. Nothing to note in deaths. Then we come to Thursday, Thursday the 30th of March, which is National Pencil Day, Doctor Day, and National Take a Walk in a Park Day. As for history, in 1876, the U.S. bought Alaska from Russia for $109 million in today's money, averaging roughly two cents an acre. And in 1870, the 15th Amendment was adopted to the U.S. Constitution. As birthdays, nothing for note in there, but in deaths, in 1986, James Cadney died. In 2002, Queen Elizabeth died. And lastly, in 2004, Michael King died. Friday, Friday the 31st of March is National Crown Day. As for history, in 1889, the Eiffel Tower in Paris officially opened and held the record for the tallest man-made structure for 41 years. As for birthdays, Friday is Christopher Walken's 79th birthday and Ian McGregor's 51st birthday. As for deaths, in 1727, Isaac Newton died, and in 1913, J.P. Morgan died. Then we come to Saturday, Saturday the 1st of April, which is National Play Outside Day, Homemade Day, and April Fool's Day. As for in history, in 1952, the Big Bang Theory was first proposed. In 2001, the Netherlands was the first country to make same-sex marriage legal. And in 2004, Google launched Gmail. As for birthdays, Saturday was Edgar Wallace's birthday and is Logan Paul's 27th birthday. As for deaths, in 1950, Charles R. Drew died. Lastly, we come to Sunday, Sunday, the 2nd of April, which is National Geologist Day and Ferret Day. As for history, in 1792, the Coinage Act was passed in the United States, which authorized the U.S. Mint to make $10 eagles, $5 half eagles, $2.50 quarter eagle coins, and many other coins. In 1917, Woodrow Wilson asked Congress to declare war on Germany. In 1962, the first official panda crossing was opened at the Waterloo Station in London. And lastly, in 2020, 6.6 million Americans filed unemployment claims and 10 million in two weeks, setting a new record. As for birthdays, Sunday was Hans Anderson and Alec Guinness's birthday. Nothing of note in deaths. Starting off events, we have the Treasure Valley in performances in Boise. Wednesday, there is a live music at 4 p.m. at the Hilltop Station. Then Saturday, Drew Lynch will be performing stand-up comedy at 5.30 p.m. at the Knitting Factory. The show is for 18 and up. Then Saturday and Sunday, there is the Gem State Comic Con at Expo Idaho. Tickets range from $10 to $95. Then moving on to Sunday, there is a car show from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. at 3900 West Overland Road. And then lastly, in events for Boise and performances, the Discovery Center has a new exhibit called the Fan Strike Back, one of the largest Star Wars fan exhibits featuring items from fans around the world. Then moving to Meridian, Wednesday, there is a showing of, quote, brave, common men, uncommon valor, end quote, 
from 11.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. at the Meridian Public Library. Then moving to Eagle Saturday, there is the Eagle Spring Arts and Crafts Fair at 10 a.m. at 253 East Collister Drive, Eagle. Then moving to Nampa Friday, there is Bluegrass being performed at 7 p.m. at the Senior Citizen Center. Then Thursday to Saturday, there is a Beauty and the Beast musical at 7.30 p.m. at the Nampa Civic Center. And then lastly, in Caldwell, starting Saturday, there is the Idaho UTV Expo at 2207 Blaine Street, Caldwell. In fun events in Boise, Saturday, there is a British Cars and Coffee meetup from 9.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. at the Chow Public Market and Eatery. Then moving to Nampa Monday, there is a Lego animation class from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. at the Harvard Rec Center. And then Wednesday, there is a tween and teens game night from 3.30 p.m. at the Nampa Public Library. In other events in Boise starting Thursday, there's the Muppet Togs Children Consignment Sale until April 2nd. And then Friday, BSU is hosting the 2023 Idaho Entrepreneurial Challenge Premier Competition from 4.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. at 1854 West Caesar Lane, Boise. Then Sunday, the Boise Depot has an open house from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. There will be guided tours from 12 p.m. to 1.30 p.m. Then moving to Nampa Tuesday, there are pickleball lessons from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. at the Harvard Rec Center. Also Tuesday, there is a Junior Master Gardener class from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. at the Harvard Rec Center. And then moving to Emmett Thursday, there is a Vegetable Gardening class from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. at 2701 East Quail Road. And then Friday, there is a ribbon-cutting ceremony for the Packing Shed from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. at 2731 Cherry Lane. For more information about anything talked about, go check the link in the description below. Moving on to Eastern Idaho, in performances in Pocatello Monday, the Glenn Miller Orchestra will be performing from 7.30 p.m. to 10 p.m. at the Stevens Performing Arts Center. Then Springfest starts Monday and goes till Friday from a rock horror picture show, trivia night, and a Gatsby tour dance. There'll be a lot to do. Then Wednesday, there is a brass concert from 7.30 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. at the Stevens Performing Arts Center. Then in Idaho Falls Sunday, Drew Leach will be performing stand-up comedy from 8 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. at the Colonial Theater. In fun events in Rexburg Tuesday, there is a Creative Corner for Teens at 4.30 p.m. at the Rexburg City Hall. And then Thursday, there is an open studio for adults at 10 a.m. at City Hall. Also Thursday, there is an intro to watercolor class for adults at 7 p.m. at City Hall. In other events in Pocatello starting Friday, there is a used book sale at the Marshall Public Library. Check below four times. For more information about anything talked about, go check the link in the description below. Moving a little further north and colder, we have the McCall slash Cascade area. In performances in McCall Wednesday, there is a showing of the King of Laughter from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the Alpine Playhouse. The movie is free for those who want to attend. As in fun events in McCall, there is the cross-country skiing and snowshoeing at the Meadow Creek Golf Resort from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. For adult day pass, it is $10, and for youth, it is $5. It'll be going until April 30th, so closing up here soon. Then in Cascade Wednesday, there is a high school youth group meeting from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the Cascade Community Church. And then Friday, there is a bingo at the Senior Center from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. In other events, in McCall Tuesday, there is a Tech Tuesday from 3.30 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. at the McCall Public Library. They'll be doing 3D printing and we'll have some board games to do while they're waiting for the 3D printers to wrap up because that does take some time. For more information on anything talked about, go check the link in the description below. Now moving completely north, we have Northern Idaho in performances in Moscow Thursday and Saturday. There'll be performances of Pickwick Paper, a Charles Dickens comedy at 7 p.m. at the Kenworth Performing Arts Center. Then Saturday, there's a comedy night from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. at the Inn. Then in Coeur Lane, starting Friday, there is the Coeur Lane Blues Festival at the Coeur Lane Resort Lobby. Then in Sandpoint, Saturday and Sunday, there is the Sandpoint Home and Garden Show at the Bonner County Fairgrounds. 
In fun events in Sandpoint Thursday, there is a trivia night from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Paddler's Alehouse. And then Friday, there is a Northern Light Painting and Sip class from 5.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. at the Barrel 33. Tickets are $53 a person. Then Sunday, there is a game day at the Paddler's Alehouse. And then Sunday, there is a cardboard box derby from 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. at the Schweizer Mountain Resort. Make sure to reserve your spot. And in other events in Lewiston Thursday, there is Quilting with Coral from 4.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. at the Lewiston Library. And then in Sandpoint Sunday, there is a Master Naturalist Bluebird Nesting Box Sale from 8.30 a.m. to 12 p.m. For more information on anything talked about, go check the link in the description below. Now, moving into the news with our first news article here, we have McCall Mountain Lions. This comes by KTVB7 by staff. For those in the McCall area, it appears you guys have some visitors. According to a new release from the Idaho Department of Fish and Game on March 20th, they have received more than 50 reports, videos, and photos of mountain lions in McCall. They have said that the mountain lions are showing typical behavior, so they're not very worried about it being a risk to the city. Lions are hunting deer right now and don't seem to be bothering family pets, which is what they were hoping to see. For those that don't want to risk running into them, they're recommending people stop feeding deer in the city and at your houses because the deer are attracting the mountain lions. As for what the department is going to do about it, they're watching and observing. They have about three options available to them. The first one is to leave things alone and let nature run its course, which they're hoping to do. But if the lions become a danger to people, they will have to choose one of the following two options. Second, they can relocate the mountain lions, but they really don't want to do that because, because they can't safely catch them all at once, thus causing family units to be broken. They also stated that when you relocate an animal such as this, it usually doesn't go well due to other predatory animals being in the area that the new ones are being placed in thus causing issues. And thirdly and lastly, they have the option of putting down the mountain lions, which would achieve the objectives that need to be fulfilled, but for obvious reasons, they don't want to do that unless they have to. Which I know here in Boise and stuff, we had a couple times where there was like reports of mountain lions coming down. I mean, I know they're a threat, but then part of me on the other hand is like the accounts I've heard and stuff. It's like, you know, as long as you give them your sp their space and you don't try to corner them, they won't go after you. But then again, I mean, with McCall, I guess it makes sense. You're a lot closer to their habitat. People are feeding the deer. It's attracting them down the valley because they're like, look, food, lots of food and lots of hiding spots because there's building and there's housing and there's trees. And this is a lot better than being up in the mountains and crags and things where it's a lot more difficult to hunt these things. Let's do this. So hopefully everything just kind of works its course out and no one gets hurt. And then, you know, summertime comes and or spring and they move out and everything. Um, I definitely personally wouldn't want to, you know, wake up one morning and be like, oh, let me go outside. I'll have my coffee or tea and go out and, you know, da, 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 looks over. My, well, good morning to you too. I'm going to go back inside now. Um, especially if I had like chickens also, I could see that for people who have chickens being a bit of a concern. I mean, then again, the mountain lions might be like, we're tr they're trying to go for bigger prey and stuff and smaller. I, I'm not big into the whole biology side of stuff, especially with mountain lions. I don't know a ton, but I thought it was worth sharing. Hopefully you guys can be aware of that. It seems like the primary issue that they're having is just people feeding the deer, which is attracting the mountain lions. Granted, I feel like the people, you guys up there probably have been feeding them anyways. So I wonder why this has happened this year compared to other years. If there's something else going on, some other predatory animals pushing them out of their habitat and making it more difficult, I, I don't know. If you guys know and have some theories, send them in and maybe we can chat about them on the next episode. But thought it was something worth sharing and a little bit out of the ordinary for sure. Next story we have here is Boise Messianic Lodge is under new ownership. This comes by the Boise Dev by Margaret Carmel. As the title implies, the temple has a new owner. I'm not going to go into who the Messianics are. But in short, they have been involved and in America since its founding and in many ways with Idaho's beginning. As for the temple, it was the central meeting place for them for many years, including the 60s and even further back. But from what I can tell from the article, they have moved to a larger, more modern place on Fairview Avenue. Granted, according to the new owner, the Masons are still using the upper level until earlier this month. The new owner is Zeke Johnson, the president of RSCI. Now, I'm not going to go into the back and forth on this. 
but there is some issues raised with how the interior is being demoed, citing historical preservation concerns and general respect for the building. The outside is protected, and any changes that are done to it have to be stated 90 days or more before. The interior is not under the same protection, so it appears there is some friction there. Granted, the new owner has stated they don't want to mess with the outside at all. Here again, slow news week. I know normally I probably would have put this in a little bit of a different section, but I thought it was worth kind of sharing because, yeah, point in case there wasn't a lot of other better things to have as head articles, <laughs> if I'm being frankly honest. But, I mean, anytime you see one of these buildings, independent of what you think about the Masons or Messianics or stuff like that, they're usually very ornate, and I think they look quite interesting, especially in our modern age where everything has this really, in my opinion, sad, kind of modern, you know, cold, hard look. And then you have these messianic places that still have that old kind of renaissance or Victorian or, you know, early industrial era looks that I think are just beautiful and way better look. Um, but it is cool to kind of see the ownership change. They show some photos of the interior on the level that they're working on. Then they've cleared it out. They also mentioned that like the building is still using like a boiler. And it was kind of funny. The article like quoted and it had at the time the newest swamp cooler for cooling the building <laughs> back when that was a feature like, oh, cool. We can have a cooler space. How do you have it? We have a swamp cooler. Ooh. Then AC came along and now swamp coolers are relegated to fabrication shops and outdoor venues. But it will be interesting to see moving forward. I mean, the bit of the controversy, I didn't want to write in the script, but what I remember from it is that like the lower level, they were being a little aggressive and fast in the way that they were demoing the lower level. And thus there were some people there in the Boise leadership or whatever else that were raising concerns or frustrations because this thing's been around since like the 1919s, I think, 1910s or something like that. And so there were concerns raised about historical stuff, but they don't have a lot of legal precedent to push back because it's in the interior, not the exterior, rather than the exterior has that like 90 days thing I was talking about that protects it. So if they have to make changes or stuff, they have to submit it to the city and then the city has to has like 90 days to kind of intervene or not if they do or don't want it. But anywho, just something to update here and interesting. Uh, if you're curious, just look at the photos. It's kind of cool to see the inside of it because normally places like this are, I feel, a little bit more secretive. But then again, I don't know. I don't know much about the Mason stuff. I just know certain prominent figures that were part of that. And it's kind of a little bit of a secretive group. Now moving on to our last and final news story. I know blowing through them super fast. We didn't have a lot. Just three of them here. But as usual, this is our last one, so I try to put the most interesting out of the bunch, which was a little hard to do this week, but it is interesting, but a little sad, I will add. BSU chosen for Holocaust exhibit. This comes by KTVB7 by Idaho Press. When writing the script, I was going to open the story by saying, for those that love history, but this is for everyone. The United States Holocaust Memorial Museum in Washington, D.C. and the American Library Association have made this traveling exhibit that looks at and shares the history of the pressure, fears, and motives that informed our country's response to the Nazi genocide of the Jews, plus some context from the Great Depression and the general atmosphere of the 1930s and 40s. Quoting the Boise State President, we invite the community to explore it and we're excited to partner with local organizations for additional programming, end quote. With that said, it opened last Wednesday and will be open until April 26th, which on the one hand... The accounts, it's not an uplifting thing to talk about the Holocaust. It is a dark, horrible part of just humanity in general, not just the German people, but just looking at the level of human depravity that mankind can lower himself to. It depends on the worldview you land into, and I think the Holocaust very much argues the case that man, man is not good at his core. As much as we would want that, as much as I would want that, we are broken creations, as scripture says, that we are sinful, that we were desperately wicked above all things. And I would argue the Holocaust and all the things that followed from that and many of the things we see in World War II is a perfect example. Now, for all those people I can hear screaming on the other side of the table that, you know, the Americans did bad things and the British did bad things and the Australians did bad things. Yes, that just proves my point even more. I'm not arguing that the Germans were that and that, you know, America was some holy saint or Australia was either. But when you look at the level of moral bankruptcy, when we look at a culture at the level of the morals that it upholds and tries to strive and achieve for, we see that the Nazi or German culture and government and same with Japan were morally bankrupt. 
that they believed in an atheist worldview either centered on their dictatorship or in Japan upon the emperor, and they had detached themselves from a higher being, from a god that they had to answer to, and thus their full depravity, their full sin, their full brokenness came out and it was expressed in that. And so with all that said, exhibits like this, I, I, I haven't gone yet. You know, some of these topics, I fear that they kind of rewrite sometimes and they try to change it and spin a narrative with it. But I'm hoping they didn't. But at any point, as hard as it may be to stomach, it is good to look at the dark, bad parts in our past and our history to learn from it, to understand that you and me and everyone here is just as capable of committing those atrocities and to learn how they got to that point so that we can prevent ourselves and pray to God that we never get to a point that something like that ever happens again in this world. So if I can, I intend to go. If I do go, I'll record a little bit of a segment and let you guys know what I think of it and all the stuff that went on there. But yeah, in any case, wanted to share it. Very interesting thing coming through town. I would highly recommend going and checking it out. I'm going to go and try to check it out. And if you do and I don't, please let me know what you guys thought of it and if it was any good or opened your mind to some things that you wouldn't have otherwise come to. Moving into the quickies, we have a couple more here than we had main stories. Starting off with the New York Canal opened. This comes by KTVB7 by Jude Binkley. Last Wednesday, the New York Canal that moves water from Lucky Peak to Lake Low opened. This comes as it looks like the Treasure Valley is going to have plenty of water for the growing season. Plane has issues at Idaho Falls Airport. This comes by the East Idaho News by Rhett Nelson. Last Sunday, a airplane had a rough landing at the Idaho Falls Airport. The plane had some issues with its landing gear and ended up landing on its belly instead of with its landing gear. The pilot was not hurt and was fine. It happened at 11.28 a.m. and closed the runway until 2 p.m. It is unclear if the landing gear malfunctioned on landing or before landing. The FAA has been informed and is looking into the matter. Semi-collision near Idaho National Laboratory. This comes by the East Idaho News by Mary Boyle. Last Monday morning, two semi-trucks had a collision at the intersection of US-26 and Highway 20. One semi was carrying construction equipment for INL, and the other was a tanker truck carrying propane headed to Idaho Falls. At 7 a.m., the construction semi slipped on some ice and slid into the intersection and hit the tanker truck. No one was hurt, and the police had the crash cleared up by 2 p.m. the same day. Bogus Basin skiing season coming to a close. This comes by KTVB7 by staff. Saturday the 25th was the last day for night skiing at Bogus Basin, and Sunday was the last day for tubing, but the day skiing is still open until April 26th. This one in line with the past one, a little bit more positive. Tamarack Resort stays open longer. This comes by KTVB7 News by staff. For those sad about Bogus slowing down for the year, Tamarack has announced that they'll be extending their season from April 22nd to April 8th instead. Plus, tickets for the extra week will be at a discount, plus some other sweet deals. And lastly, we come to our last quickie. We have Pretzel and Smoothie Shop in Meridian. This comes by the Boise Dev by Don Day. Aunt Anne's, the pretzel store, the same pretzel store that's in the Boise Mall, is going to open a second location at Eustick Road and Eagle Road in Meridian. The, the store will also be co-located with Java Juice, which is both under the same brand, Focus brand. Plus, for those who didn't know, there is already one of these locations in the Nampa area near the intersection of Greenhurst and 12th Avenue. Moving into politics, this is the section of politics where I'm not going to give you guys any commentary. I'm just going to state the hard facts of what I know and what has happened. And with that said, we'll start off with the House and Senate. So there's a lot that happens each week in the House and Senate. I can't cover every bill that's working its way through, so I'll share as many as possible and the ones that seem significant. Starting off with the House with bills working their way through, we have House Bill 370 related to Idaho Medical Cannabis Act, amends and adds to existing laws to enact that the Idaho Medical Cannabis Act authorize and regulate the use of medical cannabis. The sponsor of the bill is Jeremy Cho and Givens. 
personally, and the status is that it was read for the first time. Then we have Senate Bill 1173 related to prevention of public offenses, amends existing laws to provide for the defensive display or declaration of a firearm and to provide that the defensive display or declaration of a firearm shall not be required in certain instances. The sponsor of the bill is Senator Todd M. Lakely and Representative Judy Boyle. And as for the status, it passed in the Senate and was read for the first time in the House. Then moving on to Senate Bill 1153 related to schools, adds to existing laws to establish provisions regarding teacher spending accounts. The sponsor of the bill is Senator Ben Taze, Scott Herdon, and Representative Lori McCann. As for the status, it passed in the Senate and was read for the first time in the House. Moving on to bills passed, we have House Bill 349 related to herd districts. Amends existing laws to provide that the owner of certain livestock shall not be liable for damages caused by such livestock that stray from an open range to a herd district unless the district is enclosed by fence, cattle guards, or cattle gates. The sponsor of the bill is Representative Mike Moyle and Senator Mark Harris. The bill passed with a vote of 63-52. As for the status, it is headed to the Senate. Then we have Senate Concurrent Resolution 103 related to rules approval, Senate Agricultural Affairs and House Agricultural Affairs Committees, state findings of the legislature, and approves fees rules of the Department of Agriculture, Idaho Sheep and Goat Health Board, and Division of Occupation and Professional Licenses reviewed by the Senate Agricultural Affairs Committee and the House Agricultural Affairs Committee. As for the sponsors of the bill, that would be Senator Linda Wright Harchin and Representative Kevin Andrus. The bill passed with a vote of 69-01, and the status is that it is headed to the House. Moving on to House Bill 341, related to crimes and punishments, amends, repeals, and adds to existing laws to revise a provision regarding interstate trafficking in prostitution to provide for the crime of received proceeds of illegal sexual activity and provide for human trafficking victim protection. The sponsor of the bill is Representative Jaron Crane and Representative Bruce D. Skog. The bill passed with a vote of 69-02, and the status of it is that it was read for the first time in the Senate. Then we come to House Bill 340, Voter Identification. Amends existing laws to revise provisions regarding voter identification and proof of residence. The sponsor of the bill is Representative Brandon Mitchell, Joe A. Palmer, and Phil McGrain, Secretary of State. The bill passed with a vote of 59-47, and the status is filed for third reading in the Senate. Then we come to House Bill 338 related to immigration. Adds to existing laws to prohibit certain limitations on immigration enforcement by a political subdivision of the state to provide for a cause of action in certain instances and to provide for the withholding of sales and use tax revenue in certain instances. The sponsor of the bill is Representative Judy Boyle and Senator Phil Hart. The bill passed with a vote of 55-14-1. As for the status, it was read for the first time in the Senate. Next is House Bill 295 related to firearms. As to existing laws prohibit the use of merchant firearms codes. The sponsor of the bill is Representative Ed H. Hill and Judy Boyle. The bill passed with a vote of 66-40. As for the status, it was read for the first time in the Senate. And then we come to our last bill passed in the House. We have House Bill 294 related to state government as to existing laws to prohibit a public entity from entering into certain contracts with companies owned or operated by the government of China. The sponsor of the bill is Representative Edward H. Hill and Sage D. Dixon. The bill passed with a vote of 62-71. As for the status, it was filed for second reading in the Senate. And in bills failed in the House, we only have one. We have House Bill 313 related to schools as to existing laws to require the provision of feminine hygiene products. The sponsor of the bill was Representative Lori McCann and Representative Rod Furness. It failed with a vote of 35-35-0. Moving on to the Senate and bills working their way through, we have House Bill 3. 
30 related to tobacco taxes, amends existing laws to provide for a tobacco tax cap of 50 cents per cigar. The sponsor of the bill is Representative Jordan Redman, and the status is that it's passed in the House and filed for third reading. Then we have House Bill 295 related to firearms, adds to existing laws to prohibit the use of merchant firearm codes. The sponsor of the bill is Representative Edward H. Hill and Judy Boyle. The status is that it was read for the first time. Then we have House Bill 294 related to state government. As to existing laws prohibit a public entity from entering into certain contracts with companies owned or operated by the government of China. The sponsor of the reel is Representative Edward H. Hill and Sage G. Dickens. And the status is that it was read for the first time. Then we come to House Joint Memorial 5 related to grizzly bears. States findings of the legislator and urges the delisting of the grizzly bear in the lower 48 states. The sponsor of the bill is Representative Sage D. Dixon. The status is that it was read for the first time. Then there is House Bill 142 related to scrap dealers, amends existing laws to provide for catalytic converters and certain valuable materials. The sponsor of the bill is Representative Vito Barbarari. The status is that it passed in the House and is filed for third reading in the Senate. Then we come to our last one here and bills working their way through. We have House Bill 314 related to minors, adds to and amends existing laws to prohibit certain materials from being promoted, given, or made available to a minor by a school or public library and to provide a cause of action. The sponsor of the bill is Senator Sidney Colson and Representative Jaron Crane. The status is that it passed in the House and was read for the first time in the Senate. In bills passed, just one in the Senate, Senate Bill 1173 related to prevention of public offenses, amends existing laws to provide for the defensive display or declaration of a firearm and to provide that the defensive display or declaration of a firearm shall not be required in certain instances. The sponsors of the bill is Senator Todd M. Lakely and Representative Judy Boyle. It passed with a vote of 1817-0. The status is that it is filed for first reading in the House. And one bill failed in the Senate this week. We have Senate Bill 1163 related to protections of minors. Adds to existing laws to establish Plenary Right Protection of Minors Act, protect minors from exposure to harmful materials on certain devices. The sponsor of the bill was Senator Kevin Cook and Abby Lee. The bill failed with a vote of 17-18-0. Then moving into our last section of the facts, we have bills that have passed both the House and Senate, so that means it just needs to be signed by the governor to go into law. We start off here with Senate Bill 1143 related to fish and game. Adds to existing laws to provide for seasonal restrictions regarding antlers and horns to protect winter big game. The sponsor of the bill is Senator Mark Harris and Representative Britt Rabel. It passed the House with a vote of 45-22-3, and it passed the Senate with a vote of 25-10-0. As for the status, it is finishing up in the Senate. Then we come to Senate Bill 1127 related to state symbols as to existing laws to designate Erectodromius as the state dinosaur. The sponsor of the bill was Senator Kevin Cook. It passed the House with a vote of 69-7, and it passed the Senate with a vote of 35-0-0. As for the status, it is finishing up in the Senate. Then we come to House Bill 182 related to the Establishment Clause and Free Speech Compliance as to existing laws to establish provisions regarding prayer. The sponsor of the bill is Representative Barbara Earhart and Representative Brett J. Crane. It passed the House with a vote of 65-4-1 and the Senate with a vote of 26-8-1. As for the status, it is finishing up in the House. Then we have House Bill 244-244 related to health. Adds to existing laws to provide in-person visitation rights for residents in certain facilities and to provide that visitation shall not be precluded based on vaccination status. The sponsors of the bill is Representative Julie Young and Senator Carl Bjork. It passed the House with a vote of 57-11-2 and the Senate with a vote of 34-01. As for the status, it is finishing up in the House. Then we come to House Bill 202 related to education. Adds to existing laws to provide for the display of the national motto in certain circumstances. The sponsor of the bill is Representative Jeff J. Corneals and Representative Bruce D. Skog. It passed the House with a vote of 57-9-4 and the Senate with a vote of 27-8-0. 
As for the status, it is delivered to the governor and is waiting on him. And then we come to our last one here, House Bill 186, Methods of Execution. Amends existing laws to provide for execution via firing squad and to provide for certain requirements prior to execution. The sponsors of the bill are Representative Bruce D. Skog and Senator Doug Ricks. It passed the House with a vote of 50-15-5 and the Senate with a vote of 24-11-0. As for the status, it is delivered to the governor and waiting on his signature. Now moving into the discussion half of politics, we'll start with the House here and specifically House Bill 370 related to the Idaho Medical Cannabis Act that states amends and adds to existing laws to enact the Idaho Medical Cannabis Act, authorize and regulate the use of medical cannabis. The sponsor of the bill is Jeremy Cho and Givens Pursley. And the status as of the writing of this script is that it was read for the first time in the House. So a little bit of a hot topic here in Idaho. To cannabis or not to cannabis, that is the question. One side of the aisle says that people should have 100% right to do whatever they please, including getting high on drugs. The other side argues that drugs are a society-destroying force that, if allowed, can and would destroy our society. With that said, this bill tries to aim for a middle ground between those two sides. If passed, it would not make cannabis legal for everyone to have, but it would allow for doctors to prescribe it to patients for select diseases and issues laid out in the bill. It would also allow for growers of cannabis in the state of Idaho under the requirement that they get a license to grow it and have to follow strict procedures in that process. Patients that have been prescribed will be given a medical cannabis card that will be valid for a maximum of one year until it has to be renewed. With all that said, kind of recapping what the bill is and all that, as for my kind of like personal beliefs on the matter, I would say, you know, if you can prove that there is some medically good thing that cannabis can do, I mean, I could hear all the people out there that are totally on the train of legalizing it and stuff that are screaming at me, Tyler, 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 there's this and there's that, and it does this for you, Brian, and blah, blah, blah. Okay, 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 okay. I haven't searched into it a ton. I automatically lean from an area of not being pro-drug, shall we say. But if you can prove and say, hey, cannabis... It has these medical things. It's great. It does these things and blah, 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 blah. Then cool. If it's something that really serves a purpose and helps people live a better life and heal from certain diseases that you can show in a factual, scientific, clinical trial, then cool. Then we should, I think, allow in Idaho for the use of it medically for people. But with that said, I don't think it should be public use as you see in Oregon and different stuff where anybody can have it and it's there's no there's no restrictions on it from that standpoint. I think this is a wonderful way to go forward that if there are medically proven ways that doctors approve of that are good and that it's restricted in the sense that it has to be prescribed because it's a drug that the general society kind of struggles to manage adequately, that's a healthy way of us saying, hey, it has a function, it has a role, let's use it for its function role but have these checks and balances so people don't abuse it which I think is a wonderful way rather than going the other extreme where it's like, no, this needs to be as prevalent as alcohol and everything else. I don't think that's good. And even for the person over there that's arguing, well, it is, I would appeal to you. I don't think we have enough experience in the American society to show that it, we can handle it correctly in a way that it can be a free use. We've learned to an extent with alcohol, how to do that and tobacco, how to do that and not to abuse it and it to cause social unrest and destruction and all these different things. But on the other hand, I don't think as a society we're, we've learned that with things like weed and other drugs, and especially those other drugs that just they hurt, period, and they're not helpful in any form. Weed, cannabis is kind of in this weird back and forth area where it's like, well, it's not that addictive, but it does these cool things, but then back and forth and back and forth in other countries. It's used responsibly, you don't have issues, and people would argue, well, look, they can do it. Why can't we do it here in the U.S.? And that's where I'd come back that it's less an issue of policy or things on paper looking at the nuts and bolts. And it's more about as a culture, as a society, the way that we handle things and the way that we should introduce it into our society. We have to be careful because we're different. We're not Puerto Rico. We're not um, some of these more South American countries that may have it fully legal or whatever. 
Um, we are America and thus our culture is in a different way and we may not be exposed as a culture or know how to handle it correctly. So I think this is a good period process moving forward for those that it's needed for uh, medical use. If it helps a person truly does and you could show clinically, then please, by all means, let's let that person have it um, and use it so they can have a better life, a quality of life and recover from whatever disease it is. But don't make it available for the general public. I think that would be way too far of a jump from it going being fully legal to being fully legal. Moving on to our next one, we have House Bill 341 related to crimes and punishments, amends, repeals, and adds to existing laws to revise a provision regarding interstate trafficking and prostitution to provide for the crime of receiving proceeds of illegal sexual activities and provide for human trafficking victim protection. The sponsor of the bill is Representative Jaron Crane and Representative Bruce D. Skog. The bill passed with a vote of 69-02 in the House, and the status is that it is read for the first time in the Senate. So this isn't a new bill. It is a refinement of something that's already on the books, which states it is illegal in Idaho to be a prostitute or people brought outside the state to do such illegal activities. The only difference it has is that it adds, quote, a person or, end quote, twice and takes a, quote, no less than two years nor, end quote, and adds not in its place. The stated purpose of the bill is to, quote, Human sex trafficking in the state of Iowa is an ongoing criminal enterprise. This legislation closes the legal gap that will give law enforcement and prosecutors the necessary changes to, to existing Idaho code in order to prosecute human sex trafficking in Idaho, end quote. Which I was going to talk about this last week and there was kind of some other bills over there and I was tempted this week to kind of pull some of the stuff that I wrote for last week over here. But I, I said, no, no, let's not do that. I'm already getting kind of swamped with this busy, busy week and trying to get back on the train after kind of falling off it last week. Let's make this simple. But point in case, if I remember my notes and stuff, for those that, you know, the whole topic of should prostitution be legal or not, I mean, this bill isn't touching on that, but it's kind of in that general realm. I'm glad that it's illegal in the state because in my opinion and belief, God has given certain roles, or if you're a person who doesn't believe in the God, that man and women have certain roles and they fit into those. I have that very traditional belief and that can be a discussion that can be had. But in those roles, one of those that occurs between the two is sexual intercourse. I would argue that it is best and only best within that of marriage. Now, this bill doesn't go that far in that law and everything. It just makes it illegal for prostitution. But the concept then carries over into that area that if that is the intended design of how men and women are supposed to interact in that certain attribute that we possess, then anything outside of it is an error and will be inherently worse and ineffective. And so I'm glad that there. It is illegal in Idaho to have prostitution in these things, to discourage it, to not encourage it, to say, hey, if you want to have that activity, cool, but you better be married, better be committed to that person, and doing it for the intent of a family. It is not just meant for your own self-pleasure. It is meant for the creation of human life and the pursuit of building a family and having a connection with your significant other, not purely for pleasure. And that was the intended design and not the design of you to go then sleep with a bunch of people or just have the pl these pleasurable actions and that we believe that this is not good for you in any form. And so I'm glad that this exists. I'm glad that they're tightening some loopholes. Hopefully the work, I know someone out there might comment that they're like, well, no, this is why it's not going to work and blah, 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 and this and that. And okay, that's fair, fair. I... I don't know enough about the law to know if it really truly does tighten those gaps. If that's something that you guys want to reach out that have that concern, I'd love to have you on to have that discussion and talk about it and hear your side of the equation and why this would or wouldn't work. But in any case, I think all of us should be glad to see that they're trying to hopefully clean up stuff and maintain laws because sometimes in government, I swear, I feel like they write laws and then they forget laws and then they're sitting there and they're like, well, you know, we wrote that law, but that law has like these errors and things in it. But we're so busy with all these other things. So I'm glad to see they're doing like law maintenance that they're like, cool, this isn't working. All right, let's turn around here. Let's tinker with it, re repair it, refine it and do some changes here, which is really good to see that our legislator is on that. 
Next one here is House Bill 295 related to firearms. Adds existing laws to prohibit the use of merchant firearm codes. The sponsor of the bill is Representative Edward H. Hill and Judy Boyle. The bill passed with a vote of 6640 in the House, and the status is that it was read for the first time in the Senate. For those in the firearm world, you probably remember this, but for those that aren't, let me give you an overview. So several months back, some of the biggest payment card networks announced that they would be assigning a unique category to businesses and companies that sell firearms or related products. This would allow them to track who bought firearms or related products and keep a record. Several federal representatives and senators wrote them pushing for that to be implemented faster, saying, quote, countering the financing of terrorist efforts, end quote. With all that said, this bill would ban them from doing that and require that you not be on those systems. Entities or individuals that do this will get a written notice from the Attorney General's office that will be in effect for 30 days, after which, if they continue to violate, they will be fined $10,000. Which, I remember when this came down, it is a way that it's like, well, you know, companies can kind of do what they want, but when all these companies have kind of worked together in such a way to track who all is buying firearms and probably then possesses those firearms that they presumably bought, um, that that's an issue. Now, I could totally hear, and I was kind of in this camp at one point, what is the big issue about them tracking it? Well, number one, I don't generally prefer tracking. Um, but number two, it can be a threat to people in the sense that if ever a government or agency or private citizens ever wanted to know who has the guns, or if we're rounding up all the people to get rid of all the guns and everything in the country and there's a ban or something, this would make it way, way more likely for them to then know how to do that, where to find those people, who has them, who doesn't have them, rather than a certain amount of anonymity of who or who didn't. Kind of like the same idea of when you're voting that generally it is to state that those aren't shared. Who exactly voted? You have a registered voter and they voted, um, but you keep that private so that people can't be doxxed or punished or discriminated against in the effect of if who they voted for wasn't what the people in their area voted for. That way they vote in accordance to what they believe, not in accordance what social pressures say. This kind of is in that similar lane of being that it's trying to, you could see it try to be used to force people to not buy guns because then other people are going to know that they did or didn't and then those social pressures also that come into it. So it'll be interesting to see as they're applying this. I don't know if they have a great enough sway of applying that. I mean, definitely businesses that are located just here in Idaho, it's definitely going to apply to if it gets passed. But I wonder how that ex works with the internet. I don't know how that those laws work that if you're buying a gun online... And then it's, you know, coming to you and you're using a payment thing and whatever else, if that will be part of it. Um, in the script here, I didn't have enough time to go look it up, but, you know, you've got the four companies, that I, th I think is what I said here, that kind of bounded together to do this and everything. And if I remember correctly, one of those was like PayPal, um, which was kind of like, yeah, but PayPal has been doing some interesting things lately to say the least. Um, but I'm glad to see that this bill is coming into effect to be like, hey, no, we don't want that interstate not at all please do not have that let's get rid of that and kind of pushing against the federal legislature a little bit there also i would point out there was four people that voted against this bill in the house so if that's something you don't like i would recommend you go and look at that and see if those are representatives that are yours that voted against this bill and you can uh, let them know accordingly or if you approve of it in that case and even if they are people that aren't your representatives, it's always good to message um, your senators and representatives that are voting and stuff, even if they're not yours. I can't tell you how many times I've talked and met at different meetings and people with either my senators or other senators or other representatives. And the biggest encouragement to them is just to hear from you guys, because sometimes that's half the battle of them knowing what their constituents want, what you guys do or don't want and trying to vote accordingly. And it's kind of hard, so they have to rely on polls. But if they can get actual emails and letters from you guys, that means the world to them, and it helps them a ton in their decision-making of what to vote on and what to vote for. So if you're frustrated about a certain way that a certain person voted, um, be it if you are the representative or not, you letting them know and writing them and just simple, it just doesn't have to be a big thing. It can just be a simple little email of like, I like this or I don't like this, and here's my general reasoning. Super, super simple. It goes a long way to help our legislature do their job correctly.
Now, here is our last bill that we're going to talk about that was making its way through the House. We have House Bill 294 related to state government as to existing laws to prohibit public entities from entering into certain contract with companies owned or operated by the government of China. The sponsor of the bill is Representative Edward H. Hill and Sage G. Dixon. The bill passed with a vote of 62-71. As for the status, it was filed for second reading in the Senate. Very short, but in my opinion, a great one. If passed, any public entities in the state of Idaho would not be allowed to enter into contract services, supplies, information technology, or construction unless the contract includes a written certification that the other company is not owned, operated, or ever will be by the government of China which if I haven't shared it already on this podcast, I am not a friend of the Chinese government. I will stress Chinese government. Chinese food is amazing. Like side tangent there, Asian Chinese food, love it. The, the different types of mixes and flavors that you guys have going on there, crazy, crazy amazing. Um, the culture and stuff, I love my green tea. That's another Asian thing. I love it, love it, love having green tea in the morning when I'm working on the podcast. Um Love Asian culture and all that and everything, but the key issue here is the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, the government over there. Not a friend of them at all. They are not a friend of us at all. They are currently gunning for our position on the international stage and want nothing more than America to fail. Why? Because they're a communist country. You might ask, well, you know, do all communist countries then just hate America? I would say inevitably by design because part of their thing is control. And what they can't control, they fear. And a capitalist system is something they can't control, so they fear it. Not because we're Americans and Americans are just automatically feared by communists, but the definition, the ideology behind it creates that fear. That's why the Soviets were scared of us and then tried to fight against us and different stuff. And the same reason playing out here again with China. Um, But like anything, it is our country. The interests and businesses that interact in this country should be bettering our country. If you don't like America, then you should move outside of America and go deal in that country directly rather than reaping the benefits of being in our country, but then serving another type of government that sees and wants the downfall of our way of life, our economics, and the way that we do things. So glad to hear this. Um, part of the bill was a little hazy for me. So if one of you knows the answer to this a little better than me, when I was reading through it, I couldn't quite tell. It's a really short bill, so I assumed it was going to be pretty easy. But I think this applies to public entities as well. So well, what I mean by that is it says public entities. Let me see if I can clarify a little better. That this isn't just government contracts or things, but that all business conducted within Idaho, within public entities... So like if Winco is doing something with another business or something, it has to verify the authenticity that it's not dealing with a Chinese government apparatus or something. That's how I understand it. But then again, I am not super versed in the lingo of what goes on with companies and business law and what that title and word terming means and then how that actually then applies in practice. It will be interesting to see how that does end up happening. I'm glad to see that it passed through the House. Granted, I would stress here again, there were seven people that voted against this. So there again, if you like that, um, please let them know. If you didn't like that, then please go and find out who those people are and make sure they're not your senators and let them know that you're not very happy about that. And then another one of it that's kind of interesting, but I will stress here, you know, I don't follow it closely enough to know, but certain senators and reps will vote absent. That's what that third number is. For this one, it was uh, 6271. So 62 in favor, seven against, one absent. Sometimes people will vote absent, it appears from what I can see and stuff, but they actually are there. They're just being like, well, I don't want to be on the record saying yes or no, so I'm just going to not vote on it which can be a little telling sometimes, especially if it's a bill that you care about and it's on a topic that is important. They may be trying to save their butt rather than trying to stick their head out and vote for what you or your general area wants them to vote for. So that's another thing to consider, but still kind of weird to me that seven people would be against this. Maybe it's in the interest of more international trade. I'm not going to jump to conclusions. I know some people would. But um, just something I thought I would point out.
Now, moving in bills passed, what I mean by that is bills that have passed both the House and Senate, so that means they're just waiting on the governor to sign them and to go into law, so they're pretty much golden unless they don't have a supermajority, then they can be vetoed and all that and everything. I didn't have anything else for the Senate, so that's why we're jumping the Senate and into the past bills. But starting off in this section, we have House Bill 182, Establishing Clause and Free Speech Compliance, as to existing laws to establish provisions regarding prayer. The sponsor of the bill is Representative Barbara Ahart. Hopefully I got that right. And Representative Brent J. Crane. It passed the House with a vote of 65-4-1 and the Senate with a vote of 26-8-1. This bill moved fairly fast, but it comes off the heels of the Kennedy versus Barrett case that the Supreme Court ruled on recently. I would highly recommend you look into that, but this bill simply puts into plain words that no, no school, company, business, or college can punish someone on the grounds of them praying publicly or or silently, which should have already been the case. I remember following this a little bit with the Supreme Court stuff. It's kind of an interesting story. Kennedy at the lower courts got denied and he kept appealing and appealing and going up and up and up. And then they actually went, I think, to the Supreme Court maybe in 2020. Don't quote me on that. Maybe 2021. I don't remember the exact date. And the Supreme Court deferred it to a lower court for them to see again. Um, because there were some details they needed refined, and then it did come back again, and then the Supreme Court then approved it and looked at it and sided with Kennedy, which for, there again, I guess I'll give a general overview of the case. Um, Kennedy was a coach at a high school football team, if I remember correctly, and he would have prayer meetings after the games or before or something along those lines, and the school, at, for fears of being sued or different stuff based on discrimination and of praying and things, and I'm not going to go into that, um, fired him, and thus he sued them for them discriminating based on his right to free speech and free expression under the Second Amendment. If I have it correctly, if I have it wrong, please forgive me. It's long, long day. <laughs> Finishing this up a little later here in the day than I would like to admit. But they sided with Kennedy, which then sets this precedent that can't punish someone based on the grounds of them praying. Which, for me personally, I think this is a really cool thing. For anyone who isn't even religious, I think you should see this as a good thing. It shows an enforcement and a concreteness of saying, hey, you have the right to the expression you want to have. You have free speech. This is not speech that is damaging. This is not speech that creates violence. This is not speech that harms other people. This is speech that only either helps, supports, or encourages. Now that said, some people may come out and be like, well, wasn't it already protected by the Second Amendment? Yeah, totally was. This is just putting it down as precedent for the courts. So now in the future, if any court has a case related to prayer, they can refer back to this and be like, well, unless you want to rank it all the way back up to the Supreme Court, and assuming this like happens again, you have been discriminated based on the practice of you praying in your business. And then you, if you can prove that, then you win the case because of the precedent that's set here, which I think is a wonderful thing to see and hopefully will stop some of my, in my opinion, some of the more atheistic or anti-Christian stuff that is coming around the corner sometimes in our culture lately. Now, moving on to our third bill that's passed, we have House Bill 244 related to health, amends existing laws to provide in-person visitation rights for residents and certain facilities and provide that visitation shall not be precluded based on vaccination status. The sponsors of the bill is Representative Julie Young and Senator Carl Birk. Hopefully I got that right. In the House, it passed with a vote of 57-11-2, and it passed in the Senate with a vote of 34-01. As for the status, it's finishing up a little bit in the House. It's not on the governor's desk yet. This one is similar to the last one. It puts in plain writing that a person cannot be barred from an in-person visitation at a doctor on the grounds of their vaccination status. So if a doctor wanted to say, cool, you haven't gotten your COVID vaccine shot or whatever else. Well, sorry, can't serve you. You can't come in. We're not going to help you until you get your vaccine. This law, once signed, would prevent that and also would allow for those in-person visitations so the place wouldn't be allowed, oh, you can do it online and blah, 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 which I have to agree with doctors. That's, you know, not not that online's bad for doctor stuff, but there comes a certain point where that person still does need to come into the clinic and physically needs to be there for an inspection. You can't 
Just like a car, you can't fix a car all the time from just video calls. Sometimes you got to pop the hood, get under the bonnet, and see what's going on with the engine there. So I think this is great to see, Little because some businesses, I think, have been a little bit draconian, especially some medical institutions about this when it comes to vaccination and different stuff, trying to know about that. And you can't have this, can't do that, because you're not vaccinated, and blah, 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 blah. But I can hear the other people in the corner screaming about um, the risks and you spreading it, and there being vulnerable people at the hospital or different places, which, you know, is fair, but shouldn't all of us get medical treatment, even the obese person that you're like, but the obese person, you're, you know, encouraging other people and blah, blah, blah and stuff. Well, yeah, but they, they still, they still deserve treatment. They're still a human being just because they struggle with this health thing or in this case have of their own free will chosen not to have a vaccination, which you may see as a negative or positive thing. They shouldn't be discriminated based on that and they should still be allowed to have medical treatment done to them. Now we come to our last bill passed here and the last part of the entire podcast here. We have House Bill 186, Methods of Execution, amends existing laws to provide for the execution by firing squad and provide for certain requirements prior to execution. The sponsor of the bill is Representative Bruce D. Skog and Senator Doug Ricks. It passed the House with a vote of 50-15-5 and the Senate with a vote of 24-11-0. As for the status, it is delivered to the governor, so it's just waiting for his signature. We talked about this several weeks back, which means Idaho will allow for execution via firing squad in the event that chemical execution is not an option, which I can hear some people out there being a little frustrated about that with the death penalty. That's a discussion unto itself, but if we're still allowing the death penalty... I would argue it is better for a financial and also from, I would argue, a little bit of a psychological standpoint, not to just have someone waiting on death row because you're short on the chemicals needed for that execution rather than using a firing squad when effectively done is a quick quick death um, compared to like a noose or other things, which I wouldn't recommend at all. So this is kind of a little bit more of a housekeeping thing in my opinion, but I'm glad it's passed. So hopefully we can get this process streamlined a little bit more with those that are um, set to be on death row and them not having to wait longer than need be and the stress that comes with that and then also the amount of strain it puts on the taxpayer. So glad to see that this legislation has gone through. If you have any disagreements with me, I'd love to hear them. So reach out to me, please. Thank you for listening to the whole podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and it was valuable for you. If I missed something, got something wrong, or you have some advice for the show, then send me an email at localyokelidaho2023 at gmail.com or tweet me at localyokelidaho on Twitter. This show is a one-man show, so I can't afford to go over everything, but I hope I was able to cover as many things as possible. Thank you for your help and support. That's all for now, and I hope you have an excellent rest of your week. Godspeed. <laughs>